What's that sound I hear you ask? Why, it's the sound of the tap in the kitchen because I am washing dishes. So this could only be another episode of Saddest Night Out. Hello, hello, and welcome. My name is Roy, and I am the host of this daily podcast, which is primarily about music and creative culture in London. And this is the 100th episode. 100 days of talking to whoever's out there about music and creative culture and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it all started from where I am right now, which is at my kitchen sink. If you haven't already listened to episode one, I highly recommend it. It's a fond reminder of where this all began. 100 days, roughly about three or so months that I have been doing this podcast. Not without its breaks, there were some pauses here and there, but ultimately we have made it to 100, and I've made it to 100 the day before my birthday, which was very much the plan, to get to 100 before my birthday came. Had a lot of feelings over the course of making this podcast, and I wasn't sure how I would go about expressing all of them in this episode, but the event I went to, that you'll hear from in this episode, was the Black Malt Bottle Share Club. That event was hosted by one Alex, who is someone I met thanks to this podcast. I went to a show for the band Corinthians at the Victorian Dalston, and Alex was one of the other people at that show. I think they were the first person I spoke to who was not in a band or a promoter, they were just a guest. And whilst talking to them, they told me about the events that they host. And it piqued my interest, so I had spoken to Alex. First time was at that gig. Second time was at one of her events, the first one I attended. And this is the third time I'm speaking to her. A lot of the thoughts have gone through my mind at this milestone of my podcast. She espoused so perfectly in our conversation. So, without further ado, here is me talking to Alex as we take... And not completely leisurely stroll. We were heading home after the event, but we're walking through Hackneywick. And she's telling me about some of her thoughts about the events that she hosts. So, this is me talking to Alex for episode 100. It's the kind of place I get off the chair and think, yeah, I don't belong here. I'm not cool enough. I can smell it on me. I'm going to get back on the chair. I'm going to run better diagonal. I We are strolling through the neighbourhood of Hackneywick, and I'm here with the host of tonight's entertainment. Hello, Alex. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you, Roy. How are you feeling about this month's Black Malt Bottle Share Club event? I'm feeling very positive about it. Um, the only thing I wish is was there were more people attending to this particular one because it was about mental health um, and safe drinking. But I feel quite good about it. I feel quite good that we've managed to open up the topic, finally, the topic that no-one wants to talk about. (laughs) How did you go about assembling the people that you had talking for this month's event? I just, I literally just asked and they were more than happy to to come along, which I'm quite shocked about because they're quite prolific people in the beer industry. Um, but half of them were my friends anyway. So, yeah, I just asked really and they said yes. Yes, you've got quite some clout to your name, the 
the brand name Black Bolt <laughs> is getting out there. Alex wants me. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> How long have you been doing this all together now? Uh, Black Bolt? Yeah. Uh, I've been doing it for about six months. Um, and it's the longest project I've ever done in my life. And I've never really seen anything through to the end, particularly because I do suffer from anxiety and, you know... Uh, when that gets in the way you don't tend to complete projects but this is one project that I feel very very wholehearted about and very passionate about and just I feel really driven to do this and I feel like it's kind of my calling (laughs) did you feel that way when you started like before you started or was it once you did one you were like hey this feels like the thing for me no definitely before I started I had the drive to the drive even long before I saw that there was a need um, in the industry because a need for appreciation of dark beer first and foremost because I found that I was talking to people uh, who run breweries and brewers and employees in the industry and they were saying that dark beer doesn't sell as well um, and dark beer is not really on their first choices and I was looking at customers and when they're faced with a tap list, a beer tap list in a bar, mm-hmm. they tend to gravitate towards the pails and the lagers, and they don't really give dark beers the time of day, which is a shame. So you saw an underdog in the market, and you wanted to be part of the, the voice that helps to lift it and give it a chance amongst everyone else. For sure. And what about the other elements that you add to your events? Because on this one, it was mental health that was being discussed. So when did that side of things join the discussion as well as trying to promote dark beers i've always known that i wanted to make create an event that wasn't typically an event that you saw in the beer industry so typically you see uh, things called meet the brewers mm-hmm. where brewers come along and share a few of their beers um, and it does tend to get quite boring and quite samey um, but I've been to, I'm a, you know, I like my music gigs, I like my off-the-cuff gigs. I've always been going out to gigs since I was young. So uh, I wanted to combine the two loves. So, And I wanted to introduce something new to the brewing industry that maybe not everyone had had a taste of before. So, I'd, I mean, in a nutshell, I've always been into more avant-garde events and I've always been into beer, so it's like, why not combine the two? <laughs> was there ever a doubt when you were starting out about... Because I'm very impressed at the, the topics you try to bring together. Because from someone who's outside the industry, from the outside looking in, I see when it comes to the alcohol industry and the attitudes around drinking and talking about mental health, I don't think it's that common that the two are brought together in the way that you bring them together. So was there any hesitation about embarking on that or was that what drove you, the fact that you don't normally see them together? I think the latter, it drove me. It drove me. I'm the kind of person that doesn't really care. I just want to do it. When I want to do something, I will do it. Um, the only hesitation I had was whether people would respond. Um, and that, that's pretty com- a common kind of worry. Um, but no, I did. I felt that I would succeed in what I'm doing. Um, there's still a very long way to go, and there's still a lot of uh, promotion that needs to happen, particularly with people outside of the beer industry, which is the kind of demographic that I'm going after. It doesn't matter who who they are, what they look like. 
if they're not into beer, I want them to come into come into it. And that's what I hope to achieve with the, the Black Malt Bottle Share Club. Well, I have every faith that you will. Alex, we're, we've arrived at the train station, <laughs> so I'll call it there. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you for tonight's event. Thank you, Roy. Thank you very much. And that was that. Thank you very much, Alex, for hosting a fantastic event and for indulging me with a little bit of conversation as we were heading home. As I said, she perfectly mirrored a lot of how I was feeling, a lot of how I am feeling about what I've done so far with this podcast. One of the things that really hit the nail on the head, well, a few of the things, one is recognising a gap in the marketplace, so to speak. I think that's the economical the economic, the economics degree term for it is spotting a gap in the market and trying to fulfil it. But it's starting with an interest of yours that you see no one else satisfying. So she was interested in dark beers and saw no one else really championing them. I was interested in me and saw no one else championing me. But I saw a lot of other people at a similar level and thought I could champion them as well. And also, the slight frustration you feel when you go to such efforts to put on something and the response isn't quite what you had hoped it would be. Now, I am very well aware that I am essentially speaking into the void. I don't know who, when, where, how people will find this. Once it's out there, it's in the, like they say, the internet is written in ink. So now all of this is out there. It's out there forever. I see hints of how many people are listening and so on. I tend to average maybe 20 or so plays a day, which is fantastic. The fact that anyone is listening is fantastic. But anyone who's doing something creative will tell you that they would like, at least in this early stage, they would like more attention, whether it's more people to show up to the event, more people to listen to what you've put out, more people to click the like button or subscribe. In this early stage, what you are really hunting for is attention because that is what helps to validate what you're doing. Especially if you're hosting events, the person who owns the venue, the person whose space you are renting will want to know how many people can you bring in. And here I am at 100 episodes feeling how I feel. Alex has been doing this for at least double the time. It goes to show there is no magic switch you can flip and suddenly, yes, the crowds come rushing in and everything works out. Before I even started this podcast, I went to this Enemy event, Enemy being the magazine. And it was a bunch of talks about how to make it in the industry, etc., etc. One of those talks was a conversation with Kanye King, MBE, I believe. She is the person who started the MOBO Awards. MOBO stands for Music of British Origin. And they were essentially awards to celebrate music from black culture, particularly music that was easily overlooked by the Brit Awards, which are the more long-running, the more, I guess, traditional, that seems like an odd word choice, but the more traditional music awards in Britain are the Brits. But a lot of, she noticed a lot of artists who weren't getting much recognition in those awards, so she started her own. After her panel talk, The floor was open to questions, and I stood up and I asked. Well, first of all, I stated, I am, this event was aimed towards people in their late teens, early 20s, and I'm 20, I was 28 at the time, soon to be 29. 
I make rock music at a time when rock music isn't that popular. And I am a black male in a field that is primarily pale, male, and stale. And that got a bit of a laugh. And I asked her, in the early stages of pursuing something that lies outside the typical boundaries that have been drawn, what have you found it to be the most effective way to bring people onto your cause and to help them to see things the way you see them so that they're more inclined to support you? And her response was to do it. The best way to bring people on board is to start doing it because then they can see, one, the best encapsulation of what it is you want to do. Because you can talk till you're blue in the face. Sometimes doing the thing and showing it to them is the best way for them to go, oh, I see what you want to do. And two, if you're willing to do it on your own back, then at least they know they're not going to have to overcome that hurdle of getting you to start in the first place. You're already starting. There's this story, I think it's Chris Rock who I heard it from. He says it's either him or he saw someone break down on the side of the road. Their car broke down on the side of the road. And when they tried to just wave someone down to help, no one stopped. Everyone kept driving past. When he started trying to push his car by himself, then people pulled over and said, hey, do you need a hand? People like to help people who are helping themselves. That was the, that's probably the biggest takeaway I've had from this podcast so far. That's what, the combination of those two anecdotes is how I am here now. Yeah, you can hear me taking a bit of a break from these dishes. They're not going to wash themselves. I mean, that's why you're all here in the first place, right? To hear these, this live action dishwashing. Everything else is a bonus. One, if you see a gap, an opportunity... The onus is primarily on you to seize it. No amount of talking will make someone else seize it for you. And if someone else seizes it for you, well, they seized it for you. It's, them, it's for them to seize, not you. So you need to be the one to put your face on it and make the first move. And two, once you do that, then you'll start to see the opportunities to accumulate momentum, gather steam, gather support. There's still a lot of areas that can be improved. Primarily the fact that, and I've had this conversation a few times recently, my primary concern is my music. And that's a fact I am very quick to neglect. I'm very quick to put myself on the back burner for other people and for other things. But I need to get better at beating my own chest and saying, no, this is what I do first and foremost. Two... It's following up on opportunities that present themselves. I don't know if any of you will remember, but ages ago I talked about how... In fact, the first time I went out on the streets with a microphone to the Jack White show. On the way back, I met a guy on the train who was reading the Bible. We had a quick chat. He seemed interesting. My phone had run out of battery, so I couldn't interview him there and then. But I got his email address. Never got in touch with him. In fact, I fear I might have lost his email address. So slide in. If you ever hear this, I'm sorry. I will try and hunt for it and get, catch up with you. Still haven't caught up with Colin Francis. I am very bad at that side of things. And that's something I really should work on. Because who knows how much I could accelerate what I'm doing. How much of a multiplier factor I'm missing out on. Because I'm not seizing these opportunities. Although there are some opportunities I have seized. And chief among them is seeing Foo Fighters. That's one for the books. 
I've lost count of how many people I've told that story to because it still blows my mind. It's the biggest way that I've demonstrated legitimacy to what I do. And I'm eternally grateful to Stark for, the, for that invite. I also really like that the last episode I did, I think, when I went to see Free Money, you will hear in the middle of our conversation, the drummer says, sorry to interrupt, but I remember seeing you at that Strokes gig that never happened. I like that. I like the, I think it's called intertextuality. Just how I can try and paint that picture. There is an element of a scene, of a community here. There are reoccurring characters. There are people we can catch up with and see how they're doing since the last time we spoke. And I like that element of it a lot. One, I get to present that to whoever's listening. But two, I get to meet those people. And now when I go see them play again, I'm not just another person in the crowd. It's, oh, hey, it's Roy. How are you doing? Thanks a lot for coming. The folks in Free Money were really grateful that I came to their show. They mentioned it pretty much in passing. And again, like myself, like Alex, there is that sense of putting yourself out there to do something and not getting the response you'd like. So when you do get a response, Alex too was very grateful that I came. It can mean the world to someone when you, they put themselves out there and you respond with enthusiasm. They are eternally grateful. And I am eternally grateful to everyone who's been listening to this in whatever capacity. If you've told your friends, if you've let me talk to you for this, I am sincerely grateful. To those I've mentioned earlier, and the many others who I haven't yet caught up with, I'm working on it. I've still got a lot of room to grow. And I really, really, really need to pull my finger out, like Alex said, with regards to promotion and social media. It really is free advertising right there. And I've just been... I've developed a sort of anxiety around Instagram in particular. I've actually gone some breaks without going on it. It's really interesting. This is why I loved my conversation with Alex. She hit the nail on the head again when she said, I can be really bad at seeing things through. I have this anxiety that makes me almost pull the plug on myself with certain endeavours. But with this, she felt determined. She felt like it was her calling. And so there was a renewed energy, a renewed sense of purpose that helped to see it through. She felt that way before she embarked. I felt that way during it. I started out not knowing where it would go. I started out setting myself a challenge that seemed insurmountable. But here we are, 100 days. Not necessarily completely consequential. Ugh, I had the word and I lost the word. The word for basically having 100 days non-stop. Hasn't necessarily been non-stop, but I have kept coming back. As I tell more people about it, I am talking to them. I am putting up their episodes the next day. I might not be great at putting on Twitter or Instagram, hey, I spoke to this person, but I do at least put the episode out there. At the moment, putting the episode up in the first place has felt like my social media post of, hey, this happened. But I do need to get better sharing that wider. But yeah, room to grow. Watch this space. Thank you all very much. I've left the key in the door. My sister's back. And I will see you on the next... Sorry, 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 sorry. Is your key in the door? No. Okay. Sorry about that. Take care. All right, folks, I'll see you in the next episode. Take care.